Chapter Two of the Passenger Pigeon by William B. Mershon. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Two The Passenger Pigeon Columba Migratoria from American Ornithology by Alexander Wilson. This remarkable bird merits a distinguished place in the annals of our feathered tribes a claim to which I shall endeavour to do justice. And though it would be impossible, in the bounds allotted to this account, to relate all I have seen and heard of this species, yet no circumstance shall be omitted with which I am acquainted, however extraordinary some of these may appear, that may tend to illustrate its history. The wild pigeon of the United States inhabits a wide and extensive region of North America, on this side of the great stony mountains, beyond which, to the westward, I have not heard of their being seen. According to Mr. Hutchins, they abound in the country around Hudson's Bay, where they usually remain as late as December, feeding, when the ground is covered with snow, on the buds of the juniper. They spread over the whole of Canada, were seen by Captain Lewis and his party near the great falls of the Missouri, upwards of two thousand five hundred miles from its mouth, reckoning the meanderings of the river. They were also met with in the interior of Louisiana by Colonel Pike, and extend their range as far south as the Gulf of Mexico, occasionally visiting or breeding in almost every quarter of the United States. But the most remarkable characteristic of these birds is their associating together both in their migrations and also during the period of incubation, in such prodigious numbers as to almost surpass belief, and which has no parallel among any other of the feathered tribes on the face of the earth with which all naturalists are acquainted. These migrations appear to be undertaken rather in quest of food than merely to avoid the cold of the climate, since we find them lingering in the northern regions around Hudson's Bay so late as December, and since their appearance is so casual and irregular, sometimes not visiting certain districts for several years in any considerable numbers, while at other times they are innumerable. I have witnessed these migrations in the Genesee country, often in Pennsylvania, and also in various parts of Virginia, with amazement but all that I had then seen of them were mere straggling parties when compared with the congregated millions which I have since beheld in our western forests, in the states of Ohio, Kentucky, and the Indiana Territory. These fertile and extensive regions abound with the nutritious beech-nut, which constitutes the chief food of the wild pigeon. In seasons when these nuts are abundant, corresponding multitudes of pigeons may be confidently expected. It sometimes happens that, having consumed the whole produce of the beech-trees in an extensive district, they discover another, at a distance perhaps of sixty or eighty miles, to which they regularly repair every morning, and return as regularly in the course of the day or in the evening to their place of general rendezvous, or, as it is usually called, their roosting-place. These roosting-places are always in the woods, and sometimes occupy a large extent of forest. When they have frequented one of these places for some time, 
the appearance it exhibits is surprising the ground is covered to the depth of several inches with their dung all the tender grass and underwood destroyed the surface strewed with large limbs of trees broken down by the weight of the birds clustering one above another and the trees themselves for thousands of acres killed as completely as if girdled with an axe the marks of this desolation remain for many years on the spot and numerous places could be pointed out where for several years after scarcely a single vegetable made its appearance when these roosts are first discovered the inhabitants from considerable distances visit them in the night with guns clubs long poles pots of sulphur and various other engines of destruction in a few hours they fill many sacks and load their horses with them by the indians a pigeon roost or breeding place is considered an important source of natural profit and dependence for the season and all their active ingenuity is exercised on the occasion the breeding place differs from the former in its greater extent in the western countries above mentioned these are generally in beech woods and often extend in nearly a straight line across the country for a great way not far from shelbyville in the state of kentucky about five years ago there was one of these breeding places which stretched through the woods in nearly a north and south direction was several miles in breadth and was said to be upwards of forty miles in extent in this tract almost every tree was furnished with nests wherever the branches could accommodate them the pigeons made their first appearance there about the tenth of april and left it altogether with their young before the twenty-ninth of may as soon as the young were fully grown and before they left the nests numerous parties of the inhabitants from all parts of the adjacent country came with wagons axes beds cooking utensils many of them accompanied by the greater part of their families and encamped for several days at this immense nursery several of them informed me that the noise in the woods was so great as to terrify their horses and that it was difficult for one person to hear another speak without bawling in his ear the ground was strewed with the broken limbs of trees eggs and young squab pigeons which had been precipitated from above and on which herds of hogs were fattening hawks buzzards and eagles were sailing about in great numbers and seizing the squabs from their nests at pleasure while from twenty feet upwards to the tops of the trees the view through the woods presented a perpetual tumult of crowding and fluttering multitudes of pigeons their wings roaring like thunder mingled with the frequent crash of falling timber for now the axemen were at work cutting down those trees that seemed to be most crowded with nests and contrived to fell them in such a manner that in their descent they might bring down several others by which means the falling of one large tree sometimes produced two hundred squabs little inferior in size to the old ones and almost one mass of fat on some single trees upwards of one hundred nests were found each containing one young only a circumstance in the history of this bird not generally known to naturalists it was dangerous to walk under these flying and fluttering millions from the frequent fall of large branches broken down by the weight of the multitudes above and which in their descent often destroyed numbers of the birds themselves 
while the clothes of those engaged in traversing the woods were completely covered with the excrement of the pigeons these circumstances were related to me by many of the most respectable part of the community in that quarter and were confirmed in part by what i myself witnessed i passed for several miles through the same breeding-place where every tree was spotted with nests the remains of those above described in many instances i counted upwards of ninety nests on a single tree but the pigeons had abandoned this place for another sixty or eighty miles off towards green river where they were said at that time to be equally numerous from the great numbers that were constantly passing overhead to or from that quarter i had no doubt of the truth of this statement the mast had been chiefly consumed in kentucky and the pigeons every morning a little before sunrise set out for the indiana territory the nearest part of which was about sixty miles distant many of these returned before ten o'clock and the great body generally appeared on their return a little after noon i had left the public road to visit the remains of the breeding-place near shelbyville and was traversing the woods with my gun on my way to frankfort when about one o'clock the pigeons which i had observed flying the greater part of the morning northerly began to return in such immense numbers as i never before had witnessed coming to an opening by the side of a creek called the benson where i had a more uninterrupted view i was astonished at their appearance they were flying with great steadiness and rapidity at a height beyond gunshot in several strata deep and so close together that could shot have reached them one discharge could not have failed of bringing down several individuals from right to left far as the eye could reach the breadth of this vast procession extended seeming everywhere equally crowded curious to determine how long this appearance would continue i took out my watch to note the time and sat down to observe them it was then half past one i sat for more than an hour but instead of a diminution of this prodigious procession it seemed rather to increase both in numbers and rapidity and anxious to reach frankfort before night i rose and went on about four o'clock in the afternoon i crossed the kentucky river at the town of frankfort at which time the living torrent above my head seemed as numerous and as extensive as ever long after this i observed them in large bodies that continued to pass for six or eight minutes and these again were followed by other detached bodies all moving in the same southeast direction till after six in the evening the great breadth of front which this mighty multitude preserved would seem to intimate a corresponding breadth of their breeding-place which by several gentlemen who had lately passed through part of it was stated to me at several miles it was said to be in green county and that the young began to fly about the middle of march on the seventeenth of april forty-nine miles beyond danville and not far from green river i crossed this same breeding-place where the nests for more than three miles spotted every tree the leaves not being yet out i had a fair prospect of them and was really astonished at their numbers a few bodies of pigeons lingered yet in different parts of the woods 
the roaring of whose wings were heard in various quarters around me all accounts agree in stating that each nest contains only one young squab these are so extremely fat that the indians and many of the whites are accustomed to melt down the fat for domestic purposes as a substitute for butter and lard at the time they leave the nest they are nearly as heavy as the old ones but become much leaner after they are turned out to shift for themselves it is universally asserted in the western countries that the pigeons though they have only one young at a time breed thrice and sometimes four times in the same season the circumstances already mentioned render this highly probable it is also worthy of observation that this takes place during the period when acorns beechnuts etc are scattered about in the greatest abundance and mellowed by the frost but they are not confined to these alone buckwheat hemp seed indian corn holly berries hackberries huckleberries and many others furnish them with abundance at almost all seasons the acorns of the live oak are also sought eagerly by these birds and rice has been frequently found in individuals killed many hundred miles to the northward of the nearest rice plantation the vast quantity of mast which these multitudes consume is a serious loss to the bears pigs squirrels and other dependents on the fruits of the forest i have taken from the crop of a single wild pigeon a good handful of the kernels of beechnuts intermixed with acorns and chestnuts to form a rough estimate of the daily consumption of one of these immense flocks let us first attempt to calculate the numbers of that above mentioned as seen in passing between frankfort and the indiana territory if we suppose this column to have been one mile in breadth and i believe it to have been much more and that it moved at the rate of one mile a minute four hours the time it continued passing would make its whole length two hundred and forty miles again supposing that each square yard of this moving body comprehended three pigeons the square yards in the whole space multiplied by three would give two thousand two hundred and thirty million two hundred and seventy two thousand pigeons an almost inconceivable multitude and yet probably far below the actual amount computing each of these to consume half a pint of mass daily the whole quantity at this rate would equal seventeen million four hundred and twenty four thousand bushels per day heaven has wisely and graciously given to these birds rapidity of flight and a disposition to range over vast uncultivated tracts of the earth otherwise they must have perished in the districts where they resided or devoured up the whole productions of agriculture as well as those of the forests a few observations on the mode of flight of these birds must not be omitted the appearance of large detached bodies of them in the air and the various evolutions they display are strikingly picturesque and interesting in descending the ohio by myself in the month of february i often rested on my oars to contemplate their aerial maneuvers a column eight or ten miles in length would appear from kentucky high in the air steering across to indiana the leaders of this great body would sometimes gradually vary their course 
until it formed a large bend of more than a mile in diameter those behind tracing the exact route of their predecessors this would continue sometimes long after both extremities were well beyond the reach of sight so that the whole with its glittery undulations marked a space on the face of the heavens resembling the windings of a vast and majestic river when this bend became very great the birds as if sensible of the unnecessary circuitous course they were taking suddenly changed their direction so that what was in column before became an immense front straightening all its indentures until it swept the heavens in one vast and infinitely extended line other lesser bodies also united with each other as they happened to approach with such ease and elegance of evolution forming new figures and varying these as they united or separated that i was never tired of contemplating them sometimes a hawk would make a sweep on a particular part of the column from a great height when almost as quick as lightning that part shot downwards out of the common track but soon rising again continued advancing at the same height as before this inflection was continued by those behind who on arriving at this point dived down almost perpendicularly to a great depth and rising followed the exact path of those that went before as these vast bodies passed over the river near me the surface of the water which was before smooth as glass appeared marked with innumerable dimples occasioned by the dropping of their dung resembling the commencement of a shower of large drops of rain or hail happening to go ashore one charming afternoon to purchase some milk at a house that stood near the river and while talking with the people within doors i was suddenly struck with astonishment at a loud rushing roar succeeded by instant darkness which on the first moment i took for a tornado about to overwhelm the house and everything around in destruction the people observing my surprise coolly said it is only the pigeons and on running out i beheld a flock thirty or forty yards in width sweeping along very low between the house and the mountain or height that formed the second bank of the river these continued passing for more than a quarter of an hour and at length varied their bearing so as to pass over the mountain behind which they disappeared before the rear came up in the atlantic states though they never appear in such unparalleled multitudes they are sometimes very numerous and great havoc is then made amongst them with the gun the clap net and various other implements of destruction as soon as it is ascertained in a town that the pigeons are flying numerously in the neighborhood the gunners rise en masse the clap nets are spread out on suitable situations commonly on an open height in an old buckwheat field four or five live pigeons with their eyelids sewed up are fastened on a movable stick a small hut of branches is fitted up for the fowler at the distance of forty or fifty yards and by pulling of a string the stick on which the pigeons rest is alternately elevated and depressed which produces a fluttering of their wings similar to that of birds just alighting this being perceived by the passing flocks they descend with great rapidity and finding corn buckwheat etc strewed about begin to feed 
and are instantly by the pulling of a cord covered by the net in this manner ten twenty or even thirty dozen have been caught at one sweep meantime the air is darkened with large bodies of them moving in various directions the woods also swarm with them in search of acorns and the thundering of musketry is perpetual on all sides from morning to night wagon-loads of them are poured into market where they sell from fifty to twenty-five and even twelve cents per dozen and pigeons become the order of the day at dinner breakfast and supper until the very name becomes sickening when they have been kept alive and fed for some time on corn and buckwheat their flesh acquires great superiority but in their common state they are dry and blackish and far inferior to the full-grown young ones or squabs the nest of the wild pigeon is formed of a few dry slender twigs carelessly put together and with so little concavity that the young one when half grown can easily be seen from below the eggs are pure white great numbers of hawks and sometimes the bald eagle himself hover above those breeding places and seize the old or the young from the nest amid the rising multitudes and with the most daring effrontery the young when beginning to fly confine themselves to the under part of the tall woods where there is no brush and where nuts and acorns are abundant searching among the leaves for mast and appear like a prodigious torrent rolling through the woods every one striving to be in the front vast numbers of them are shot while in this situation a person told me that he once rode furiously into one of these rolling multitudes and picked up thirteen pigeons which had been trampled to death by his horse's feet in a few minutes they will beat the whole nuts from a tree with their wings while all is a scramble both above and below for the same they have the same cooing notes common to domestic pigeons but much less of their gesticulations in some flocks you will find nothing but young ones which are easily distinguishable by their motley dress in others they will be mostly females and again great multitudes of males with few or no females i cannot account for this in any other way than that during the time of incubation the males are exclusively engaged in procuring food both for themselves and their mates and the young being yet unable to undertake these extensive excursions associate together accordingly but even in winter i know of several species of birds who separate in this manner particularly the red-winged starling among whom thousands of old males may be found with few or no young or females along with them stragglers from these immense armies settle in almost every part of the country particularly among the beech woods and in the pine and hemlock woods of the eastern and northern parts of the continent mr pennant informs us that they breed near moose fort at hudson's bay in north latitude fifty one degrees and i myself have seen the remains of a large breeding place as far south as the country of the choctaws in latitude thirty two degrees in the former of these places they are said to remain until december from which circumstance it is evident that they are not regular in their migrations like many other species but rove about as scarcity of food urges them every spring however as well as fall 
more or less of them are seen in the neighborhood of philadelphia but it is only once in several years that they appear in such formidable bodies and this commonly when the snows are heavy to the north the winter here more than usually mild and acorns etc abundant the passenger pigeon is sixteen inches long and twenty-four inches in extent bill black nostril covered by a high rounding protuberance eye brilliant fiery orange orbit or space surrounding it purplish flesh-colored skin head upper part of the neck and chin a fine slate blue lightest on the chin throat breast and sides as far as the thighs a reddish hazel lower part of the neck and sides of the same resplendent changeable gold green and purplish crimson the last named most predominant the ground color slate the plumage of this part is of a peculiar structure ragged at the ends belly and vent white lower part of the breast fading into a pale vinaceous red thighs the same legs and feet lake seamed with white back rump and tail coverts dark slate spotted on the shoulders with a few scattered marks of black the scapulars tinged with brown greater coverts light slate primaries and secondaries dull black the former tipped and edged with brownish white tail long and greatly cuneiform with the feathers tapering towards the point the two middle ones plain deep black the other five on each side hoary white lightest near the tips deepening into bluish near the bases where each is crossed on the inner vein with a broad spot of black and nearer the root with another of ferruginous primaries edged with white bastard wing black the female is about half an inch shorter and an inch less in extent breast cinerous brown upper part of the neck inclining to ash the spot of changeable gold green and carmine much less and not so brilliant tail coverts brownish slate naked orbits slate colored in all other respects like the male in color but less vivid and more tinged with brown the eye not so brilliant an orange in both the tail has only twelve feathers end of chapter two